The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Gentlemen, welcome to our first post-game edition of the Bird Calls for the season. He is Ali Cosell. I'm David Grubb, and your New Orleans Pelicans uh, won their season opener on the road against the Memphis Grizzlies, 111 to 104, snapping a five-game road losing streak at Memphis, and winning their season opener on the road for the second consecutive season. So, a lot of good things to start the year with Ali. First, before we get into the details. Your general impressions about tonight? I think I feel like I saw almost everything that was kind of promised and talked about during the preseason, right? In terms of the the player movement, looking for the open threes, the catch and shoots, offensive rebounding, even pushing with pace. But it took us a quarter to get there, right? The Pelicans only shot four threes in that first quarter, zero offensive rebounds, and I believe they had just one transition bucket. And they just weren't pushing it up with any kind of pace, right? So, yeah, that second quarter was the massive turnaround. That's what won him the game. I think the things that, Ali, like the things we talked about uh, yesterday with Antonio Daniels, the things that we were concerned about, the things that we were optimistic about, all those things pretty much played out tonight. Uh, the biggest thing I think we talked about uh, that could have been a problem, defensive rebounding and turnovers. The starters tonight, the turnovers were a problem. Uh, but the Pelicans overcame them. And, and that's going to be part of the learning process with this offense. Rebounding at times was a little bit of an issue, um, even against a smaller Grizzlies team, just securing those rebounds for the Pelicans. But by and large, the thing that we talked about while they were shorthanded was that they had to show effort. And tonight, they came out of the gate. They didn't, I mean, it wasn't great, but they matched the Grizzlies' energy out of the gate. They stayed within striking distance after the first quarter, made their surge in the second and third, and that's really where the game uh, went their way. Yeah, absolutely. When you play Memphis, you've got to be competitive, right? You have to stoke that fire within you. And so I thought the Pelicans did a reasonably good job in that first quarter. It felt like, honestly, two heavyweights at the start of a bout, right, that you think are going to probably last 10 rounds. So each team was throwing, you know, kind of body blows, haymakers, but – there wasn't much to show for it, right? The point total was low. I think it was like 14, 15, six minutes in, and everything just seemed like a chore, right? Zion driving, but he was always getting met by, you know, usually a couple of Grizzlies near or close to the rim. And he got his shot rejected a few times a day, but he finally did find a seam. And just like the Pelicans offense, really, it just broke through in that second quarter. But yeah, David, it started with not getting, you know, not losing all those categories that we kind of saw uh, the go by the wayside during preseason, right? Yeah, the turnovers, that's an issue. But again, you know, I think back to 2014-15 when Steve Kerr arrived in Golden State and they were going to play this really up-style, tempo, brand of basketball different from Mark Jackson's. And guess what? They began that season, I think, averaging well over 20 turnovers a game for probably the first two or three weeks. And I think we might have to live with something similar, you know, with the Pelicans, right? Brandon Ingram's really the point guard. And then, of course, with all this movement, 
you're just not always going to make the right reads because you are playing differently. So if you still bring the energy though, and you do take care of right. The other boxes, you mentioned the rebounding, they shot the three ball really well, got to the free throw line. I thought that was a big difference for them as well. So if you can check off enough boxes and coincides with that effort, they're, they're going to be fine. You know, before we get into the team stats, let's go through the, the individual performances tonight. Start with the big three, uh, Zion, CJ, and B.I. They combined for 66 points tonight. Um, 66 points, 18 boards, 15 assists, and those 10 turnovers. Um, but you got a little bit of everything, and each one had their opportunity. B.I. comes out in the first quarter, kind of gets himself going. Um, CJ started going in the second quarter. Zion only finishes the first half with six points, but in the second half, he said they changed up the offense and made it uh, work for him a little bit more by getting him up top and allowing him to penetrate that way. And then, of course, defense turning into offense where he was able to get out in transition and not have to worry about shot blockers because nobody's going to outrun Zion or outjump him in the open court. Right. Zion came, Zion came out ultra-aggressive. I know his first couple of touches were drives but they resulted either, like I said, block shots or turnovers. And that seemed to be almost the general theme for me. Um, the Pelicans are almost trying to force things, right? And it wasn't until they started going to their bench, which, you know, when you go to the bench and you've got some shooters out there, it's going to space the floor. And suddenly guys that aren't typically used to, right, having the ball in their hands, they're just really in there for one role, and that's to shoot like Jordan Hawkins, Matt Ryan. I think that really helps settle the Pelicans down. And that flow really dramatically improved. So after that, yeah, David, things fell into place. Brandon finally found the stroke, you know, from midi, right, mid-range. And it's a good mid-range tonight we saw from him, right? It's not just inside the three-point arc. It's not one of these that he's really fading back, but he's in his sweet spots, right, around the elbows. And when you're there, you can rise up over anyone if you're B.I., including Zaire Williams tonight. I mean, he canned a couple of them uh, right in his face. But CJ, I think CJ was the one that was just most consistent throughout in terms of scoring, right? If the Pelicans needed a bucket, he provided. And then, of course, you know, outside of those big three, got to tip your hat, right? Jonas, he kept his spacing when Zion was out there. And guess what? Ended up with two threes. Now, granted, they were super wide open. But again, that's going to be his role within the offense. When one of B.I. or Zion are going to the lane or are in the lane, he's got to be out there on the perimeter. And I thought he did a good job. But then Herb Jones, I thought Herb was outstanding from start to finish, right? Between the defense to just his timing and reads, right? He seemed to, you know, the playmaking, right? He had three assists. He had a couple of really nice passes, I remember. When he got those open catch and shoots, zero hesitation. But most importantly, I thought his eight rebounds. That was crucial. So I know Zion ended up with seven in B.I., but theirs were a quiet seven, right? Herb was in there contesting, grabbing those boards when the game was really still up for grabs. The offensive boards for Herb, huge um, in that regard. He had eight, bo um, eight boards total, three assists, a steal, a block, just a Herb Jones performance, and one of only two starters who ended up with a positive plus-minus. And that, that's it's not reflective completely of the minutes because uh, Zion only played 32 minutes tonight. I think they wanted to ease him into it and give him an opportunity to find his way. Um, and then you have B.I., Herb, and C.J. all playing 36 minutes plus. And I think they did a good job with Jonas keeping him at around 29 minutes. I'd like to see that maybe around 25, but they don't really have a big behind him uh, to, to take a lot of those center minutes yet. And I think they did, uh, but tonight the matchup, 
as we talked about on 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 WBOK earlier on a third on a Wednesday, that without the interior presence that Memphis had, the Pelicans mm-hmm. had to take advantage inside. Like I say, Jonas hitting the two threes, but also twelve boards and closing out defensive possessions, which is so huge for this team. Yeah, that was a recipe for success last season, right? Keep guys out of the lane, contest the threes, and limit opponents to one shot. Where they went awry, usually it was on the glass, right, David? Just like in that OKC play-in game where the Thunder had, I don't even remember, but it was close to 30-second chance points because they couldn't, right, limit them to one shot per possession. So that's always going to be key for this team. And I thought that, yeah, I'm with you. Jonas played a little bit more than we would expect, but a lot. I think a lot of that, had to do with Larry, right? He looked like a guy that just got back from injury. I didn't see, like, for instance, his leaping ability was affected so much, but it was just his timing, right, his touch. I mean, he threw up – I know there was one wild kind of running running layup that he missed badly, and then there was a catch that he should have had that would have been an easy dunk, I believe, but it went right through his hands from B.I. So, yeah, like I said, it's just a timing thing for him. But what did surprise me is that all the stars – played a really kind of healthy dose right outside of Jonas. Yeah. Well, Dyson, he was the leading guy on the bench with 19 minutes. I thought for sure he'd sniff about 25, but I guess yeah. I showed you. Willie really wanted to get this game tonight, right? He wanted to get this team off to a good start against, a, like we said, right on your radio show, against a winnable Grizzlies team. Yeah, I think, I think too, you know, we saw as, as the Grizzlies kind of closed in the fourth, that, that had – both positive and negatives, because I think the Pelicans were tired a little at the end uh, mm-hmm. because they had not played a ton of minutes in the preseason. And, and you saw it in CJ's legs, I think. You know, he was hitting his shots consistently and then missed a couple at the end just because I think his legs were a little tired. The form was still there. And in particular, we see for CJ how different it is. Injured CJ McCollum versus healthy CJ McCollum. And you've been talking about his shot all offseason, what you've seen in practice, and how it's come off his hands. And tonight, again, you saw that was that classic CJ, straight up and down, great arc on the shot, quick snap on the release. There was just no hesitation in it. Where last year, quite frankly, there were times where he was pushing that shot because he could not get the flexibility in his hands. David, he was laboring last year for probably, what, the last three months. And then you've got to throw in he dealt with COVID, had another different sickness, it was a really rough year for CJ on top of not making the playoffs for the first time in his career. But yeah, we heard from David Griffin right on media day that nobody has looked better than CJ in the practice gym. And that's was kind of confirmed all through training camp for me. I was just watching him and his shot just looks so pure and effortless the way it used to look right in Portland um, after every practice. So I just had a sense that he was going to come into the season guns a blazing in top form. And we saw it tonight. And we saw him also in his best role, right, David? I don't think he had too many playmaking opportunities. Most of his assists came because he was swinging the ball, making the right pass, not being asked to create with the dribble. So loved everything from CJ. Yeah, and and only two turnovers, and that's a direct reflection of that. He was not asked to be the primary playmaker, which he had to do so much last season. Um, We talked about the bench a little bit. The second quarter in particular, Matt Ryan comes in, knocks down uh, three threes in that second quarter to, to really get the Pelicans ignited. And look, quite frankly, you bring it, you, you take a guy in, he has he's, he's brought in essentially for one skill. That's why the Pelicans brought him to this team, claimed him off of waivers, brought him to New Orleans. And 
when you do that, when you put that guy in the game, you're asking him to do that thing. And a lot of times we've seen guys, and the Pelicans have tried this over the last few years, bringing guys who they thought were specialists from outside or whatever, who are hesitant to shoot. Right. Matt Ryan, he didn't, it wasn't about introducing himself. It wasn't about getting familiar. He understood his role, catch it, let it go. David, that's why I was, first of all, shocked the Timberwolves just let him go. And second, I was so excited that the Pelicans, right, put in the waiver claim and got him. That's why, you know, when I saw the news, I got home late that night. I'm like, I got to write something up on this because I thought this was maybe going to turn into something for several reasons. One, I think Matt Ryan isn't your prototypical right journeyman. He's And, and he's better than, like, say, your three-point shooter that you may have had, you know, an opinion of in the past as a Pels fan, like a Luke Babbitt, for instance. No, Matt Ryan, he moves, right? His ball movement, or excuse me, his man movement is excellent. Guy's always on the move. He's in great shape. Um, he's even talked about it. I read in the past an article when I was doing my research how he really trained hard to make sure that he's going to have his legs to play about 25 minutes a game to be able to shoot any three at any time. We saw that last year. He caught that tough, difficult out-of-bounds pass or from out-of-bounds cross court from Austin Reeves and took a heck of a tough jumper, but his form was fantastic. And I remember watching a video of Ray Allen even commenting, this guy, you know, he was not surprised that Matt Ryan made that shot because he talked about his form and all that preparation and all that went into that shot. So you knew, you know, that Pelicans were going to get a guy that could probably help when you saw, of course, Trey Murphy's injured. A lot of other guys cannot be relied upon for the three point shot outside of CJ. So I don't know. I just had a feeling then when I saw him work out, when he finally did get here, that one day, David, when I say he was going full bore through the shooting workout, he was going full bore, running from station to station, almost at top speed for about 20 minutes. And when I filmed him, he was towards the end of that 20 minutes, didn't miss a shot. So I'm honestly not too surprised by what he did tonight. Like I said, the thing I respect the most, though, is it was the mindset. You know, we like, again, we've had these guys who come into New Orleans and they've been asked to do the same thing, just let it go. And they refuse to do it. And tonight in a game that, you know, Belkins were needing a spark. They really did in that second quarter. Their best quarter came with him on the floor. He was a plus 20 tonight in 14 minutes. And just it, it, it's more than just the shooting, like you said, because once he started, the, the Grizzlies had to adjust, and that allowed the Pelicans to do other things as well. Yeah, let me add this, too, that's also impressive about Matt Ryan. Yes, shooting stroke, it's there. He's proven it at every level. He's got a touch to make threes. But you know what I really like about him is that you can see the preparation. It's evident, right, in, in just how he's running around the court and how quickly he assimilated himself to this new Pelicans, you know, team, teammates, et cetera. He honestly looked like a guy that's been with him through at least all the training camp. So, yeah, hats off to this guy. And I think hats off to the Pelicans front office. They didn't nab a guy like, say, a Kaiser Gates who's coming fresh out of either G League or college. They grabbed a guy who's honestly a legitimate vet, right? Spent time with the Boston Celtics, Lakers, Timberwolves, got some run with each uh, team, and also picked up, I think, a lot of things on how the NBA functions. And I think we really just saw it tonight because, as you alluded to, that mentality, that aggressiveness, that fire, I saw him boxing out. I saw him making the right play. Like, David, I think the last play he had, catches at the top of the key, that's covered. He couldn't believe how open the lane was, so he drove, 
Then he dished it to Valanchunas, who ended up getting fouled, getting to the free throw line. So that's what you expect veterans that know their role to do, right? Just making the right play. And I think we fully saw evidence of that. And I think he's going to stick in this rotation for a bit. Um, that we were looking forward to see off the bench, Dyson Daniels played about 19 minutes tonight. And Dyson did Dyson things, a little bit of everything. And I thought, again, his, you know, he missed a couple of, of easy shots, um, but still finished 50% from the floor overall, uh, rebounded it well, two offensive boards, three defensive boards, and then two steals and a block. So he gives you everything, that, the stuff that you're looking for out of him. And he looked more at home on the court. You saw the way he moved, you know, even though there was that those misses, you know, I think it, it, it's, again, that, getting used to it, that, that first game night, uh, but his movements and his attention, we thought he was, he played above his years last year. You could see that continuing into this season. Yeah. I thought Dyson as soon as he stepped on the court was fantastic. He, his first offensive touch caught it right wing, drove, spun right and had a layup. Then yeah, his work on the boards, that was fantastic, too. And those two offensive rebounds came off of his two misses, as Fish alluded to, right? The Moses Malone can't get at it. That's stab padding. But, no, I like the aggressiveness. And I thought defensively, he played with a little more edge, I felt like, to the point where I thought it rivaled Herbs. Usually Dyson last year, he bodied you up. He, um, you, you know, didn't seem – nothing seemed to phase him, right? But he didn't seem as aggressive. Right. In terms of going for steals, in terms of really just throwing his weight around like he did um, this season compared to last. So I think we're seeing a little bit more growth even on that end. So I think, you know, I'm excited because at one point tonight, I think it was in that decisive second quarter. I'm pretty sure uh, Willie had both Herb and Dyson out there, right, to close the fourth and start the second. So we saw what happened that second quarter. Grizzlies couldn't get barely any good shots. They scored only 19 points. Pels kept them off the offensive glass. And I think a big reason why was due to Herb and Dyson. Their activity was just evident all over the court. Defense for the Pelicans, I thought, was um, exactly the approach that they should have taken against this team. Uh, I didn't. We both uh, really questioned whether or not the Grizzlies wanted to make threes. They were not a great three-point shooting team last year. And they, the, the Pelicans did a good job of forcing guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. is a 30% three-point shooter. He's not a great three-point shooter. Pelicans made him take a lot of them or let him take a lot of them. But, you know, that's defensively, that is a, a mechanism too. Making sure that, they, that the people you want have wide open looks so that they will take them. And the Pelicans did that tonight, I thought, very well. Um, and, and holding the Grizzlies overall 28% from three, that's – Last year was at 29.9, I believe, for the Pelicans overall. So, you know, again, a better percentage from there. Uh, held the Grizzlies below 42% overall. Out-rebounded them by plus 15 there. Uh, beat them on the offensive glass as well. You know, the assists, you'd like them to be higher for the Pelicans uh, overall. But they got some one-on-one -on -one opportunities that they were able to take advantage of as well. Uh, like you said, some of those drives. The turnover is also a problem for the Pelicans um, as well. They had more than they, they should have, uh, but that's a byproduct of a new offense and some carelessness. Uh, but then, and, and I think the only part that we, um, that the Pelicans still struggle with, they lost the battle of points in the paint overall against the team that doesn't have a lot of inside, interior scores. And that is something they still got to work on. 
Yeah, the biggest thing to me was that, yes, they had 21 turnovers, but guess what? Memphis scored two fast break points. Last year, David, do you remember what it was? Pelicans turned it over. Memphis was coming down on a fast break. Now, I know John Moran had a lot to do with it, but there was a game or two, right? He didn't. He hasn't played in the last couple of years, and yet they still, right, tallied high numbers in that category. So I thought that their turnovers tonight weren't the ones that were the killers, right? A lot of that was dead ball situations. So that was good to see. And, um, yeah, to your point, everything else – you know, things could be cleaned up. They gave up 50 points in the paint. But, again, I think that was more Xavier Tillman than, as you allude to, Jaron Jackson. some nice moves. Xavier yeah. Tillman made some yeah. nice plays. Tillman scored over Jonas's length around Larry. And then if you had a guard, man, he, he just, you know, pushed him aside. Whether it was Dyson or Tyra, it didn't even matter. He's a good, solid uh, piece for them. But if you're relying on him to be your second most effective scorer, I don't think Memphis is going to win too many games that way. And that's what happened tonight. They need Jaron Jackson to be, be better, right? He settled for threes, didn't really look to attack the paint. He was really just one-dimensional, I thought, where he just, you know, affected Pelican shots in the lane. So I don't think the Grizzlies had anybody really to create their offense. And that's what this shows when you don't have your point guard. They lost, you know, John ran obviously to the suspension, and then Tyus Jones yeah. um, is gone as well. Mm-hmm. So – Ty Jones was maybe the best backup point guard in the league last year by a lot of people's estimations. Just he kept that team running all those times that job was gone for various reasons. And when he came in, he was a nightmare for the Pelicans uh, when they played each other. So I, I think that, you know, the Grizzlies certainly have some issues that they've got to deal with. But if you're the Pelicans, like I said, nobody took mercy on them last year when they were missing players. They never do. This is the NBA. It, it wasn't perfect, but you got a seven-point road win against a division opponent to start your season, and it's a team that's probably going to finish in the top ten in the West as well. So I think with that being the, the sum total, the Pelicans walk away and, and come back to New Orleans on Saturday looking at a Knicks team that, also, that lost its opener and is also going to be traveling as well. And I think that there's things that they've got to be, be – uh, to feel like they can take advantage of against the Knicks as well. Yeah, look, we were told all week, right, after the last preseason game, they were going to utilize the eight days they had off in practice, working on fundamentals, on cleaning things up. And like I said, outside of that 21 over 20, what was it? Yeah, 21 turnovers they had. I think they really did a good job in that department. So what they're going to do now, they get two more days off. And, and you just like their odds, right? Maybe – being able to use this as a little bit of a springboard, because like I said on your radio show, David, this was the gettable game of the four, and it's the first one. So you really want to get that one. And they did that. They pretty much, we nailed it to a T on what they needed to do. Try and control Bain. He got a little bit loose, right, for some threes. But other than that, yeah, very effective game plan. And so this, this you've got to feel is going to carry over some. Because I saw Brandon Ingram, right, find his comfort zone, where he didn't really find it in preseason. Herb found his spots. They know knew when to look for Jonas. CJ, we already talked about him and his role. And then Zion, I think probably kind of figured things out to where, okay, yes, I'm a guy that's going to attack the paint and do it, you know, repeatedly. But then I thought he really started looking more for his lanes. And he even had that midi right towards the end of the game from uh, just yeah. inside, right below the free throw line. So I think he figured out a way to be a little bit more effective because I'll tell you what, going forward, I don't want to see him crash to the floor as much as I did tonight because those bumps and bruises on, on that big guy, they're going to add up over the course of a season. So, yeah. 
our biggest concern, David, was what the bench. And I thought the bench, even Jordan Hawkins, right? Not not a huge, you know, stat line. Kyra really didn't contribute, but their minutes were solid. The defense didn't collapse. They still ran the offense ball with the run. So yeah, I feel like like I said, you can carry things over from this. Yeah, I think it was you know a good solid uh, opening night performance, uh, and the kind of thing that's going to have uh, the building rocking on Saturday evening. I think people are. This is what they wanted to see. They didn't want to see perfection. They weren't expecting perfection, but they wanted to see you know forty eight minutes of effort, and they gave that tonight. There was forty. It wasn't perfect again. But they were they were always competing, and that for the Pelicans last year was a rare thing to say that you could watch the game and say they competed from start to finish. And I think they did that tonight. Now I like the adjustment to give Zion the ball at the top of the key at times and and abandon the motion for a second and allow him, hey, do what you do, get yourself into a rhythm, and he was able to drive in, initiate contact, finish layups, score, and do those things. I thought that you know. It, what they are not strict adherence to a system. They understand. Uh, I think that's what Borrego brings. Is okay. We don't need to do this right now. Really, we're going to do this for this for this stretch. We don't need to run that because these guys are in. And I think that that having that second set of eyes, a real offensive mind that can tap Willie on the shoulder, and say, "Good," or, or we need to make a change. I think that's that's that is a major uh, major uh, improvement for the Pelicans. And quite ironically. Um, in stark contrast to what's happening across the hall with the Saints. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I, I thought as soon as I heard James Brego got hired, I think all of us knew instantly that followed basketball closely, knew who he is, that this was going to help. Because we saw last year, right, Willie was missing an offensive coordinator. And I think he even knows it himself, right? And that's not there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of head coaches are usually just, you know, specifically um, good on one side of the court, not both. And so you you rely on your bench, right? Your other guys around you. And I thought that, you know, that was missing last season, that ingredient. So, yeah, hats off to Brego. And here's one other thing I want to mention. Here's another reason why I think it's kind of impressive the Pelicans showed so much energy. Because remember, when we had AD on the podcast last night, and I think I caught him saying it on the broadcast today, your energy guys, right, your Jose, Najee, and Trey, your loud guys, None of them were available. So you sometimes worry when that happens, AD was saying, is for the team to get up, right? But they had no such issues, I thought, right? So from start to finish, they had that kind of um, effort, that competitive spirit you want to see. And that's impressive to me, David. If you think about what you just said last year, they went through some of those doldrums, that losing streak, that was a big reason why. Because you can be missing key pieces, but you can still bring the fire, but it wasn't there. Yeah, if they can just do that consistently this year and they stay healthy, I like where this might Anything's be headed. Possible. Yeah. Anything's possible. <clears throat> I'll end the last thing. Zion snarled a lot tonight. Snarled. Barking at like, the refs. Yeah, he was looking for foul calls. And he, I mean, when he finished plays, when they, like, there, I saw it a couple times in the Orlando game. Mm-hmm. That last preseason game where he got steal and got a dunk, and he there was he would look he started looking back, and there was this lingering like don't mess with me, like I'm really y'all slept on this you let you know I've been hurt. We got to see it play out over 82, mm-hmm. but I like that there seems maybe there is that shift happening for Zion that if he's realized what he truly is capable of, 
He will never be the talker. But if he can be that relentless force and you find that balance with the rest of the guys around him, again, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, look, I told you. As I dropped the article today and I, I let our group know that it's a positive one, right? Optimism. But I just felt like everything I see, and again, I just base it off of, you know, what I hope to be an analytical approach, right? I take my biases or I try to remove them. And so when I saw, for instance, Zion own up to us in media without being pressed about, okay, the guys told me I wasn't basically bringing it, so I need to bring in the next game. And we saw what happened in Orlando. I never recall him doing that in the past, right? And we saw, right, lackadaisical efforts from him, B.I., and I'm sure somebody whether it was a coach, another player, probably says something to him, but it didn't translate. Well, it translated, you know, at least at least for the first few games, right? That preseason game and now tonight. So that's my biggest thing. It seems what he said he was going to do the, early this summer, he's doing it, right? Committed himself to new conditioning program on getting his body right, fixing those wrongs that he said in an interview with Gilbert Arenas. And now he's listening to teammates. Now he's being a team guy. He's a willing, you know, disciple. And I've even heard him mention James Brago's name a couple of times. So there's a lot to like, right? I feel like the attitude is matching what we're seeing on the court, too. And that's big. And our next 14 at home, starting on Saturday uh, against the New York Knicks, 6 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center. And Pelk is back at home on Monday night against the Golden State Warriors. Get all your information about the Pills. Stick with us at thebirdrights.com and the bird calls. I'll leave final words before we head out on this victorious Wednesday night. No, this was a fun day. It was a long day for both you and I, but I'm glad we got rewarded. <laughs> yes, you did, and especially for Pelicans fans, we we cover the team uh, with the passion that the yeah, fans. Yeah, but we don't want to dwell on negas, right? Not on the opening no. night, stuff like that, right? No. Yeah. No, but but just again to watch the watch parties, to see the fans engaged and really wanting some hope. Yeah. That's what you opening day, opening night for every sports team, it's about establishing a baseline of hope. And tonight the Pelicans established a solid baseline that their fans can look at, that their team can look at, that the coaching staff, everybody can say, this is a great point to be at. Now, if we could raise this two, three more levels, imagine how good we could be. If they had lost tonight, even with a good effort, I think we all would have felt a little bit differently. But for, for the things that were instituted in the preseason that people were so concerned about, myself included, you included, for them to hit 14 threes tonight and, and take 32 attempts, even without a mm -hmm. Trey Murphy on the floor, to do the things they did defensively, to do what they did in total, and to see how Willie Green approached it and his team bought into it. Again, I'm not asking for anything else. It's an A for me. I'm not going to give it an A+. Plus. I'm not going to give it 100, because there's no such thing as 100, I think, on opening night. But I'll give it a 95. I'll give it a 95. How about that? How about that? I'm with you. It's an A. You go up to Memphis, tough place to play. We've already talked about everything else. Yeah, it's an easy answer. Since day one, since media day, what was the message? Just go out there and do it. Well, guess what? They did it. 81 more to go. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll be back again on Saturday. Until then, let's go Bills.